This is the Beyond the Dojo podcast. I'm Lauren. I'm Jeremiah. I feel like all of these years of stepping in front stance and like front kicking and placing your feet down without stomping has all led up to this one moment in our lives. To be able to put the baby down to sleep and then sneak out of the room mm. without stomping. This is the second time we've tried to film this podcast mm. today. So in the past 10 minutes. Let's be real. Yes. So um, today we wanted to base this episode on a really interesting comment on one of our previous episodes. So our episode where we interviewed Rick Houghton, um, the uh, handle of this person is uh, type deaf. Uh, he says, or she, my current dojo and sensei doesn't give me any wiggle room on technique for being six foot five. He says my legs are too wide, etc. I have told him many times that if I did it the way he wants, I feel unnatural and weak. If you look at a 20-inch BMX bike and a 24-inch BMX bike, just four inches difference, and the geometry is drastically different because you don't just grow or shrink the bike or else it isn't nimble or fast anymore. I wish he was more open to at least testing what feels right to me and not being so rigid with what he thinks right looks like. So what are some initial thoughts on that, Jeremiah? Well, the teacher in me says, um, son, until you have enough time under your belt and you've honestly tried to give it a, a chance, mm-hmm. um, just, just shut up and train in a sense. Mm-hmm. I mean that with all respect. I understand the complaint. Um, I was a big American kid in a Japanese dojo and they made me make the forms that would fit a Japanese child. Mm-hmm. And I was three times the size of one. So I understand mm-hmm. the need to, um, want to feel comfortable in your, your karate but i also understand the benefit of building strength and ability and balance in your stances um he might your sensei might be doing it in a harsh way mm-hmm. but if you want him to be open to what you have to say i would think that you need to give him the same respect yeah. and be open to what he has to say and do what he does for a while now if it starts to cause you pain like hey my hips are killing me there's a sharp pain there mm-hmm. then that's that's one thing yeah but to, to kind of say, oh, I'm just broad. I'm right. big. Right. I'm a big dude, too. Right. You know? What kind of stuff in Japan, like, what, what are there, were there any specific um, positions or shapes they were trying to make you get into that you felt were just not natural for you? Well, majority of the stances felt too narrow. Okay. Um, majority of the hand positions were felt too close to the body. Mm-hmm. Like, I felt crowded. Mm-hmm. I like my hands to be further off. Mm-hmm. Although now I've come back to that hand position. Right. Like, I appreciate the downward, you know, the hand position of techniques. Mm-hmm. I appreciate the more traditional approach to it than compared to, like, you know, a little bit more free form in a sense. Mm-hmm. Um, makes the cry. It's just, it's aesthetically speak, uh, pleasing. What the, is? The blocks, the shapes you make when, when you do very, uh, kihon karate. Mm-hmm. And, and it just, it's appealing to me. Okay. You know, at first, it was all about, well, I just want to be faster, make blocks, make it work. Mm. So form didn't mean anything to me. Mm. Um, but then, you know, the more I wanted to make it work, the more the form kind of reinforced principles that I had to have. Mm. So I, in a long about way, understood many years down the road why form, a particular form is important. Yeah. I mean, we're going to always err on the side of caution when it comes to other senseis because 
And this is not any any offense to this person, but no. we have no idea what his instructor is teaching. He could right. be an excellent instructor. He could be a dipshit. I mean, we don't, we don't, we don't really know. So, um, you know, our, our first response as instructors is going to be, okay, well, you know, maybe there's a communication breakdown. Maybe right. he's trying to get you to do something that is natural for you, but, you know, whatever. And, but, but you know, we'll get into the, the nitty-gritty of that in a minute, but we're always going to probably... Yeah, side I, with the sensei at first and be like, okay, well, I don't want to there be is a little bit of that. To anybody, right. everybody has a right to be concerned when mm-hmm. it doesn't feel natural. Right. But I agree completely. I'm gonna err on the side of the teacher because, first of all, you went to him mm-hmm. or her, right, and asked them to teach you. Mm-hmm. So you kind of got to submit to them. Right. Yeah. So so let's talk about maybe the purpose of of that like confinement or that shape to start with because there is there's this kind of this idea that's I'm not sure how long it's been floating around in the Shotokan world at least or in the karate world in general but there's definitely this push by a lot of senseis to kind of break that shape and it, you know obviously the interview was with Rick Houghton and and I think I feel like there is a point where he is kind of a proponent of that as well of like breaking that shape so let's kind of talk about what's the purpose initially of having a a specific structure or I think what was the term he used Um, well yeah he was just saying not having any wiggle room on technique um that feels so rigid um so I think he's he's maybe focused a little bit more on the look of things. So let's talk about maybe the look of things. Why it doesn't matter what our karate actually looks like. Well, I would say from a teacher's standpoint, again, it's easier to teach a shape at mm. first than it is to teach a principle. Mm-hmm. If you're a good teacher, as they progress, you talk more about the principle of the technique and less about the shape. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, th- I feel like form is a great way to teach good technique. Mm-hmm. You know, um, it's an easy way to, to nitpick everything mm-hmm. and to get it to a standard. So my mind is so like sometimes compartmentalized or like geometric when it comes to learning karate. So if I can conceptualize the beginning of the technique, the end shape of the technique, and then the path to get there, and then you know use that in whatever way needs to be applied from that point. But just in learning the technique, if I can get the beginning, the middle, and the end, then for me, that makes it easier to fathom like what it is I'm doing. And then it can start to turn into more of a principle. But that's kind of how I've learned is like, there's a, there's an initial shape, there's an ending shape, and there's a path to get there. What does that shape look like? Mm-hmm. Um, and I think we teach beginners that way also, you yeah. know, we're, no, we're, we're showing all of the technique. We're showing the beginning, middle and end. We're showing the entire path, but Maybe at first they're only seeing the ending of the movement. Right. You know, you teach four and five year olds, um, and you do rising block. Well, they just put their hand up like this over their head, and it may or may not look like it's supposed right. to. And they may be like swinging their arms right. off to the sides, but but they're kind of making you know the shape that you're looking for. So there's that. Um, I feel like this becomes a really prevalent conversation though, especially when it comes to stances. Yeah. So stances can be really tricky um, just because of variations in hip structure, in knee structure, and tendon thickness, in ankle structure. Um, so did you experience any of that with training in Japan? Did you experience any, like, um, discomfort in your stances yeah, as far I mean, as what ankle, they were? Ankle what, flexibility or dexterity? Um, it would be, like, flexibility. Yeah. Flexibility, right? Ankle mm-hmm. flexibility was, was not the greatest for me. Mm-hmm. Um, so in... 
you know, our the dojo I went to, the, the every stance, the bent knee, when you look down from your stance, you cannot see your toes. Mm. You had to bend so far that your toes were covered. Mm. Um, and for an awkward, rather large American, that's kind of hard. Mm. But do I have better stances from it? Yes, I do. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? It's it's one of those things. I feel like it's it's like when you get in trouble with your parents as a kid. Mm-hmm. Like, I'm going to never make my kid do that. Or, oh, it's so stupid. And then you get to an adult and you have a kid. Mm-hmm. And you do the exact same thing your parents did. But now you know why they did it. Mm-hmm. And you're like, that's a genius move. Yeah. I mean, that's kind of what I feel like this is. Right. It's like it, you have to you have to give it time. You have to let it, let it prove itself to you in a sense. Mm-hmm. And then you have to trust in the process. So the form for me was was um iron preston so like in japan i was i was like who is iron preston no like (laughs) sorry (laughs) go ahead um they're very strict about form and all we did was train against hair Mm -hmm. and you know the dojo was out about two basketball courts long and it was from one end of the dojo to the other Mm -hmm. it was no 10 reps and move on to something else. It mm-hmm. was 20 reps or more. Right. So it was constantly working on those things. Yeah. Um, and then the time I grew up in karate, the shanai was like the teaching tool. So um, they'd smack you with the shanai. It was pretty, you learned pretty quick what you had to do. Yeah. So. So with stances in particular, like we've gotten in, <laughs> we can say arguments, but we tell a student, hey, bend your front knee. They're like, I am bending my knee. And we're like, if we're telling you to bend your knee, it ain't bent enough. Um, yeah. But you know, k- kids will start off way up high in stance and not even not even bending their knees. Um, you know, you got to remember what the point of kihon is and what the point of these shapes is. The point is to develop aspects of athleticism. So you are trying to gain mobility in all of the joints. You are trying to also be able to move out of those joints out of the joints, out of those angles and out of those positions fairly easily, um, if possible. Um, you're using kihon to hone your, um, ability, your movement and your athleticism. It's slightly exaggerated. And then whenever you're sparring or you're applying it, it's obviously not quite that extreme. Um, there is obviously a point where it's a bit much though. There's a point where, the stances and the positions are over exaggerated and this is one of those where we always emphasize like teachers instructors who are coaching anything that has to do with the human body especially with karate um you should have at least a small amount of knowledge of biomechanics or of human anatomy at a minimum even if you don't understand biomechanics just understanding like the hip joint only goes out so far and if there's tons of variation from person to person and you know ethnicity to ethnicity so even like that's one of the things that's talked about about the japanese is that i guess they have maybe like thicker patellar tendons i believe is what it is so they can get down into lower stances than you know caucasians or whatever um, because it doesn't bother their knees. They just have more support in that position. Whereas if we do that, um, you're in for a lot of trouble because all of the structures of the knee are, are getting a lot more compressed. Now that's not to say 
that you can never, you know, put your knees over your toes and stuff. Like there's not a lot of necessarily danger in doing that a little bit. And there's lots of research to show that um, getting into like really compressed positions with the knees and things like that, as long as it's trained over time and it's something that your body can physically handle because of anatomy reasons, which you wouldn't know that, I guess, until you tried. Um, there's nothing necessarily wrong with that. But thinking about it from a beginner's perspective, more than likely you're getting someone who's not super athletic. So, you know, we're kind of like towing this line of like we want students to have a certain shape because they're training a certain principle and yet we don't want to push them so far that they get injured, they get an overuse injury or they tear something because they moved improperly, right. etc. So it is a little bit complicated and that's one of the reasons why you can't always give like a straight response to things like that. Right. And I would, I would encourage students to be honest with themselves. Mm -hmm. Is it uncomfortable because it's painful or right. is it uncomfortable because you're weak in, in that, that position? Right. You know, be honest with yourself. If, if it's because right. you feel weak, mm -hmm. then, then you know what it, you know, you're safely going to be able to build those muscles. Right. Mm -hmm. I think karate is a good way to, to build range of motion and joints mm -hmm. because the way we train is it's over time, right? We don't right. expect a, a white belt to have a perfect front stance. Mm -hmm. We just want the front knee bent. Right. Right. And as they progress, we ask for more and more. Right. It's a really safe way to build the range of motion and your, and your and flexibility in your joints. Um, but you got to trust the process. Right. right. Uh, why? I just feel. Excuse me. Achoo. <laughs> Sorry. He's battling a cold. Excuse me. I've been dealing with head cold for a while. Um. Shit, I lost my thought. <laughs> well, well, what I was thinking, I mean, it out. <laughs> I, I was thinking, you know, kind of taking a step beyond that, unless you're still talking about the same concept, no. stances, and what I, what I was thinking too is like, okay, so th that was kind of addressing students. Now, addressing senseis. Um, <coughs> Sorry. Yes. Thank <sighs> you. Um, you do have to be careful. Because whenever you're teaching students, oftentimes we just get so caught up in our own look and what we think karate is supposed to look like that we try we make little little clones of ourselves. Um, so that's where the danger lies. And that's usually where this conversation comes from and why a lot of high-level sensei are trying to veer away from that. Because you have entire organizations of people who have, like, one sensei that they're all kind of following after, and they all look like that person. And they may have never even trained with that person, but they've trained with someone who is modeling their karate off of that person. So you have this, like, entire lineage of people who have this look to them. I mean... Perfect example, you can look at people who trained with Nishiyama in different eras right. and you can, you can, you can tell if they trained with him, number one, you can tell if they trained with him. Number two, you can tell when they trained with him based on what their karate looks like because right. he taught differently and looked different from, from one decade to another. Um, so, you know, and that's not good either. So, it, you know, students are going to often be looking at their instructors and they're going to be emulating what they're physically seeing, but well, what they're seeing them do physically, but if the instructor is forcing the student to make the same shapes that they're making and their body style is different, there there is some issue there. So we're not trying to completely dismiss what this person is saying. We're just kind of trying yeah. to make sure we cover all of our bases. Um, well, so yeah, as a teacher, and the reason why careful. we say this because everybody, like you said, has different range of motion, different abilities, physically, uh, athletically, mm -hmm. right? And your teacher might be a 
really good karateka. Mm-hmm. But it's because his body's naturally flexible, or he's he's pretty limber in a sense. Mm-hmm. And if you're not that, then you're asking for trouble. We had this guy named Tom one time. We trained in the seniors class. Oh, yeah. And um, when I would work with him, you know, when you're working on hip rotation early on with students, um, sometimes if they've never done anything anywhere remotely similar to karate, they don't have a lot of range of motion in their hips at all. So that's always that always has to be taken into consideration. So we were working on like rotating to Hamni and then to Shoman, Hamni to Shoman. And when he would rotate to Hamni, side facing position with his hips, he was getting 30, 35 degrees of rotation, not 45. And he wasn't even coming close. I mean, like it, it was consistently like 30, 35 degrees. He was just was not getting that full rotation. Does it matter if he doesn't fully get 45 degrees? Mm. Well, it depends. I mean, it lasts, it, it matters less if he continues to get the same 35 degrees throughout his, his karate career compared to if he, com- he continues to improve slightly. So this is where it comes down to principle-based teaching. Why do we do hip rotation? Is it to make a 45-degree shape, or is it to use it for power production? Is, is it to use it to improve the structure of that ending position? If it is to... If, if it's for a purpose, then he just has less range of motion that he's working with. That's all. And it's not going to be perfect if he's doing like a rising block and he's not getting those hips completely, you know, turned to the side or whatever. He might not have exactly the same structure behind it, but the idea is there and he's actually working in, you know, to that final position with the hips and hominy. And he's using the range of motion of the hips turning simultaneously with the block or with whatever technique that he's using. He's using it. It's just not as much range of motion as we would like to see. Dude was tall, slender, and I'm telling you by looking at his stances, I just knew based on how much he was able to move those hips, there was no way it was going to happen. He couldn't abduct his legs very far, so he couldn't bring the legs out to the side, and he didn't have a lot of internal external rotation in the hips. He was just rigid. He was just that kind of a guy. But I've had years of experience of doing this, so I was able to kind of see that kind of thing. And I also understand that there are some variations in hip anatomy. Um, so that's just kind of an example from a teaching perspective how you can apply the idea without... <coughs> Excuse me. <you're>, <laughs> without, without forcing the student into a shape because that would have ended up with an injury. Yeah. Yeah, he, he'd have definitely got hurt. Yeah. And he was so. pretty rigid. He was really stiff. But, um, but changed it slightly. Let's talk about as Gidancha, as Karateka, they're still training and they're training for a long time. When is it appropriate to lose your form. Do you understand? By that I mean yeah. like at, at what point in your karate path do you, is it a result of your training that you, your form has changed? Your form is changed or your form no longer exists? I mean... Yeah, let's talk about what that exactly means, right? So like, that's the confusing part, I think, right. for what, most people. I think so too. I agree. Um, for me, when you free yourself of form, mm-hmm. your print, the underlying principles is the main driving the driver of the technique, mm-hmm. and no longer is the shape necessary. Mm-hmm. Um, but, but by by having the principles ingrained so hard, mm-hmm. the sh- form is somewhat like the essence of the form is there. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Like you could have a front stance and be from free of that form by shortening up or making a little bit longer or making a little bit wider, yeah. uh, whatever the situation 
dictates. But you can tell that it's a front stance. You can tell it's a front stance. Right. But maybe it it's a front stance as you're trying to shift laterally. You know what I'm saying? Or or you're you're pivoting or something in. I think something to add to that is like you you don't have the same amount of rigidity no. at the end of the movement. No, I agree. I agree. Or at the end of the technique, excuse me. Um, you know, you're not you don't have to end an oizuki in a front stance with the hips and showman and the punch exactly just here and the hikite exactly yeah. just there. I mean, you're you're using the ide- those ideas within the movement, but it may not look exactly like that. Um, there are karateka who are masterful enough that they can apply those principles and you can still look at their movement and you can tell what it is and it's not a complete mess. Um, I feel like sometimes people try to start applying things or they try to start freeing up their movement and it falls apart. Yeah. Yeah. Well, the saying is learn the form. Mm Mm-hmm. Master the form, mm-hmm. free yourself from form. Mm-hmm. Everybody learns the form, mm-hmm. they forget the second part, and then they go straight to freeing the form. Mm-hmm. And, yeah, like crazy noodle people. Right, and mm-hmm. and I don't know. I mean, all right. So, what does it mean to master the form then? Master the form is that you're able to think of the technique. Mm-hmm. It's performed efficiently mm-hmm. without you having to control it. What does it mean by to say that it's performed efficiently? Um, greatest bang for your buck. Greatest impact for the, the amount of effort you put into it. So that's using the correct muscle groups. That's using being correct in your structural alignment mm-hmm. and your, especially your coordination. I would say that, yeah, especially like the understanding how the muscles are to fire yeah. to make it happen and they're not being excess. <clears throat> so, I mean, we can say that and that will just go shoot right over some people's heads. And I know right. that sometimes it goes over ours, but like efficiency is not just like how quick can I deliver this and move on to something else? Or it's not right. just effectiveness. Like how much did I hurt that person and then move on to something else? Granted, those things are valuable, but if we're looking at effectiveness and efficiency, all wrapped up into one. Yeah, it's balanced, we're, right? Yeah, we're trying to get rid of anything that is unnecessary. And I think mm. we don't spend enough time, you know, when you look at form, that is once again the point of Kihon is it is a controlled movement. It is a controlled drill to yeah. get rid of anything that's not supposed to be there. If it's I only think, this shape, yeah. then you don't have space for anything else to be there. Yeah, and I think you're. that's a great way to describe mastering the form mm-hmm. is getting rid of anything that's unnecessary mm-hmm. right i think that's the best definition for that and because it's so obvious that you know it's easily it's quantifiable you can video yourself mm-hmm. and you can say okay i'm not going to stand up halfway in my stance mm-hmm. and you can watch it and boom it's gone mm-hmm. and then you pick something else you pick something else right i think that is the stage most people get to mm. and they do it for 10 years maybe 15 years and they think they got it that they get to the efficiency stage like trying to be more efficient yeah like they feel like 10 I 15 years into it's a mastery that, yeah right like they're and then they want to move on to something else yeah well i mean it's it's mentally very grueling i mean yeah. you, when you because you you th- that's one of the best um 
the best quotes I've ever heard is from Steve, and he's and he says, "If it feels strong, it probably isn't." Yeah. And sometimes people are so um, blinded by their feelings about their movement Man. that they don't see themselves clearly. Right. I mean, I I do the same. I do the same thing. Like I think I'm moving great, and then I video myself, and my knee like is falling in, and I'm kicking my leg out to the side like a schoolgirl. I look like a freaking idiot. I mean, and it's it's very telling, but it's it's valuable to to video yourself. I. I, I, yeah, I'm guilty of that this morning, so I was... Kicking like a schoolgirl? Well, yeah, well, that and, and going, oh, I got it. Uh-huh. Right? Right. I feel good. Mm-hmm. So I had the ankle weights on, mm-hmm. and I was just doing, um, I was working the show on the side thrust out of horse dance, mm-hmm. so I was just doing 10 reps on each leg, mm-hmm. and I was like, oh, that feels pretty good. So I did a side snap to, to have both variations, right? Mm-hmm. The second side snap felt really good. I was like, all right, I'm going to put some zing to it. Yeah. Threw some zing into it, and my supporting leg, my groin, I just feel it go... I could feel it. It didn't pop. I could just feel it like sh- like stretch uh-huh. within the, the joint. Mm-hmm. And I was like, you dumb idiot. Right? Mm-hmm. Because I based my progress on how it felt, right. not what I was doing. Right. And it's such an easy trap because you go, man, that felt really good. I could put some more into it. Right. I could do this better, right? And yeah. I feel like that's the exact opposite of what you want to do with when you're trying to end up mastering the form level. Mm-hmm. It's not this. It feels great. It's it is great. Yeah. You know everything is well coordinated. It's it's smooth. When you look at it, you go that's that's a technique. Right? And this is where it goes back to having an additional pair of eyes on your karate really yeah. helps. I mean, having your own and watching video obviously that's huge. Yeah. If you can have another person, that's that's advantageous as well though. Right. Oh, yeah. It's the hardest thing for someone else to watch. Um, it's the hardest thing for yourself to watch, right? Right. Um, but I would say this. To have the person who... Whoever's watching the video, be willing to listen to what they have to say. Right. Because they're looking at your karate from a completely different aspect than oh, you I'm, are yourself. I'm I just thought, scratching my face. Well, I'm scratching I just, my beard. Listen. <laughs> I just sneezed like three times, and I'm afraid I got like <laughs> n- like snot everywhere. Boogies. Boogers everywhere. <laughs> so when you did that, I was like, oh, God. Anyways, what I'm saying is... The mastery level of your form changes you mentally more yeah. than any other level for me. Mm-hmm. Like doing this for the last couple of years and just trying to get my form better, mm-hmm. it is is like, well, it's a grind. It's an emotional grind, mm-hmm. right? It's 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 you're not gonna see improvement, right? You're never gonna see improvement unless you stop and look for it, right? Um, and. I think that's the hardest thing. So just kind of veering us back just a little bit, um, especially with what you just said about the borderline injury thing. Yeah. So when we talked about this podcast, what we what we discussed it as was confining yourself to the shape. Um, the reason those confines are there is, once again, to teach you principles within that range and that range only to start with and also to prevent injury from overextending yourself outside of that range. And that's one of the reasons why certain techniques, like when you practice them in Kihon, there's only a certain range that you really, I mean, I'm just throwing this out there. My my opinion was only a certain range that you should practice them in whenever you're just learning the basics. This is, this is my opinion. Also my Yeti front kick. I don't think for basics, that you should practice long range front kicks. I don't think you should. I don't think I anything can... long range should be done at a basic level. 
I, no, I don't think so either. In my, in the dojo I grew up in, it was, um, it was, they were coming off of this like sparring era and everything was long range. Um, but you don't learn control in that. I mean, you might have a little bit of impact at the end of the, of the long reach of that front kick, maybe, but then also you usually displaced your center of gravity so much that you're, if you smack into anything, you're going to fall on your ass. So, you know, and Steve pointed that out multiple times. And that's the only reason that I know that now. Um, so rather than practicing that crazy <coughs> stretched oh. out shape, <laughs> practicing <coughs> a shorter range, oh. <laughs> practicing a shorter range, um, gives you just more control within, within that range. And granted, Kihon is, once again, it is exaggerated. Um, but it's exaggerated just enough for you to practice all of those principles. Um, and the, then you can change your form. It, you don't change your form or technique. Right. So like the form is exaggerated within right. the idea of the stance. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, when you start talking about long range things, you mm-hmm. change the, not only the form at the end, mm-hmm. you're changing the middle path. Completely. Yes. You end up changing a lot of the main principles that are being shown. I mean, right. Sort of. I mean, you you could probably make it work if you have the principles down, but most people don't, and they're just slinging their leg out there and sliding across. At the floor. a beginner's level, yep, it's horrible. Yeah. As you as you increase control and and balance, mm-hmm. it's a idea you should work on, mm-hmm. but it's not something you should be doing it in your Q ranks. I think it's something you do in your down ranks. Right. So. So, taking that then. <laughs> the last step of freeing yourself from the form. If we're doing that at what level of Don rank, at what point in your opinion, are we starting to free ourselves from this extreme emphasis on form? Mm. So I've been, I've been stuck on this idea of like in your stance and on your stance. And it's been like just predominantly on my thoughts in karate. Mm-hmm. And I, I, we were down at Rick's place for Father's Day's training. Okay. Right? Or Father's Day, we spent down in Sarasota, but we yep, we okay. trained on the Sunday there with him. Yep. And I asked him that question. I said, mm-hmm. you know, what is it, what is in your stance and on your stance? Mm-hmm. And he says, well, it was taught to me that it's the undersides of your body, super heavy. Mm-hmm. And he goes, but it's always heavy. You don't step into your stance and then drop into a lower stance yeah you're always at that level where it's heavy and you have this relaxation so when you step into a stance there's no hit the hit you know stop and then sink mm-hmm. there's all at that one point mm-hmm. but there's ob- an obvious relaxed form right right i think that's the ultimate like master the form part mm-hmm. where you're able to move and do keyhole stuff mm-hmm but it slightly doesn't look as staunch. You're, there's not a lot of like mech, mechanic, mechanical looking moves. Mm. It's very fluid. Mm-hmm. And your center of gravity has always been is controlled throughout all the movements. Mm-hmm. Like it's low and it's it's um, that's your main source of power. I think that's where the form starts to lose the emphasis there. The emphasis there, the, the, yeah. the impact. So Steve told me something kind of similar, and I don't want to misquote him, but I believe he said when he was in Japan training that he was he used to work, train on a lot of his stuff that he did in the dojo during the day. He used to train late at night. And I think, I don't know if it was an, at night or if it was just after a class, but he was working on Fudorach, 
and one of the instructors there came up to him and um I think I think I believe he had an interaction with them but um he said that he was so exhausted that he just kind of just relaxed into this dance just softened down and when he explained that to me about Fudadach I was like wait that makes a lot of sense because I feel like we spent a lot of time actually pushing up out of the shape like like pushing up working against, against yeah working yeah. against gravity and and thinking of the stance as like a form of resistance as opposed to relaxing into that stance and maybe that's kind of the this like one little step above getting out of the form is like we're no longer like forcing ourselves into these shapes we have those motor patterns nailed down to such a point that now we're actually relaxing into those shapes so not not just the stances but also the arm movements and all that kind of stuff it's a little bit more um you know that's more that's relaxed. funny to confirm that i was talking to steve and asked the question too mm -hmm. and said steve this sounds like something it's just you have to do so much until your body relaxes into it he's like yeah yeah. It is it is a rep, rep, repetition thing. Mm -hmm. It says, you know, you got to repeat it. You have to do good reps. It's got to be correct reps. Mm -hmm. But eventually your body will get so used to it that it does not tense up. Yeah. It's not holding you up no more. Yeah. You're just in stance. Yeah. And I think too. I mean, that's to me is just like, yeah. If you want to talk about efficiency also, I mean, there if you're you moving from one point to another, if you have excess tension something is going to be amiss and that is not efficient. So if you are relaxed in that shape when you're not needing to produce any tension, then you are working toward efficiency. Yeah. Even the research shows that quick movements, especially like strikes and things like that or throws or whatever, there's an initial pulse to start the movement. There's a relaxation phase and then there's like a keyme point at the end of the movement. And this is across all sports. There's usually something like that in order to propel the body, propel the limbs. Um, so that would be the same thing here as you're trying to relax in, in through the path of the movement in that idea, in that aspect, but then also a relaxing down into the stances and things like that. So, yeah. but unless you have the shapes first, right. you can't relax into it. Otherwise you're a pile of goo. Right. On well, the floor. if you're misaligned, mm -hmm. um, use the wrong coordination. There's a lot of things that go amiss to where, mm -hmm. you know, you'll literally step forward and stance, land in front stance, and then bend your knees. I've seen people do that. I was at a I was at a seminar one time where they said that you should no longer um, layer your step in and your punch, so that the step in drives the punch and said you should step and then you should punch afterwards. Remember that seminar uh, we went to? Yeah. It was a very uh, very famous organization that, that decided to tell people that. Anyway, mm. let's stop with that. Any other thoughts on this one? Let me double check the quote here. Well, um, I think oh, well, I, I hate have, to say I this. I have one other thought. Okay. The other thought was um, I, and I did kind of touch on this earlier, just about geometry and, and about the shape of your body. Like if you actually can't make a certain shape or do a certain technique because of an issue, like we've had people with shoulder replacements and stuff where they can't like lift their arm to a certain shape. So they're doing the best that they can. They can't like externally rotate the humerus or, or inter whatever. They can't rotate their arm properly in order to get like a knife hand block 
Um, you know, they can't do a front kick <coughs> properly because, like, the width of their hips or something like that. Um, knee replacement, I, hip replacements. I feel like those instances, to be honest, <coughs> excuse me, they're they're actually pretty rare. Usually, you end up with something that looks pretty similar right. to what the original form is. Um, if it's so rigid that they can't make that shape, usually that's a problem with the way the teacher is teaching. Um, that is kind of, you know, somewhat validating what this guy is saying. But once again, yeah. we don't yeah, know. We don't know what his instructor is teaching. <laughs> right. It depends on the situation and what yeah. the guy with the comment there is saying or the girl. Mm-hmm. You know, if we knew the teacher, we'd, we'd probably have a better idea what's going on. Yeah. Um, let's go say something. I missed it. Phew. Yeah, exactly. A fleeting Catch. thought. Yeah. So, what I wanted to say was this, is in the end of all things, after talking about freeing yourself from form, um, make sure you have good enough form, good enough technique to where you're safe. You're not going to harm yourself doing karate. Mm-hmm. And strong enough to control your movement. Yeah. If you're going to try to break form, I mean, it's all, it's your karate, do as you please. You might end up hurting yourself if you try too early. Have you ever watched High School Musical? No. It really, it was a really stupid movie. Probably movies. why I didn't watch it. Yeah, it was really dumb. Um, but they have this great song. Soaring, we're breaking free. Soaring, flying. That's yeah. what popped in my head. When All right, so what you trying on? What you working on? What am I working on? Yeah. I am working on uh, not being injured. Hush. <laughs> um... I mean, I have get injuries sometimes, but um, who knew that being a mom was so dangerous? Because <laughs> like I keep injuring my left shoulder. Right-handed moms oftentimes will get like left side injuries from like holding baby on the left side and like doing stuff with their right hand. And that mm-hmm. happened a couple months ago. It got better, and then um, I got too big for my britches and did this ab exercise with a kettlebell that was too heavy and heard a nice little pop in there. So my left shoulder hurts. Mm. Also injured the ball of my foot, so I'm healing all of that. And we're at five months postpartum, which means the baby's eating more, which means that um, <coughs> I'm Sorry. trying to produce a lot of breast milk. And if I don't eat enough, um, I don't get enough calories, then it's hard to recover from injuries. So it's complicated being a female yeah. and trying to be an athlete. So yeah. um, eat your eat your calories, ladies and gentlemen. Listen, no one's judging. Yes. I'm sure they're tired of hearing about pregnancy, though. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Ew! <laughs> what you working on? Uh, same stuff as last week. Mm-hmm. Kanku dai. I uh, did show this week a little bit more. Mm-hmm. Kanku. Um, and then just a lot of like. So, I'm a proponent that when you do ankle and wrist weight training, mm-hmm. it should be lightweight, mm-hmm. like light lightweight. Mm-hmm. I do pound and a half on my ankles. Lightweight, baby. And two pounds on my wrists. Mm-hmm. That's it. That was right? Ronnie Coleman. And that's enough to where I can... Con- huh? <laughs> What'd you say? I said it was Ronnie Coleman. That was a Ronnie Coleman quote. Oh. Lightweight, baby. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I was like, what? Look up four hours of Ronnie Coleman screaming. Just do it. <laughs> Ronnie Coleman's a, a famous bodybuilder. Everyone should know who Ronnie... I have a picture of me and Ronnie Coleman, like, doing most muscular. Anyway. Nice. Yeah, go nice. ahead. Um, but that's what I'm doing. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm going through a kick. I don't believe... Well, 
certain people will train with that way all the time, mm-hmm. but I think that's because they achieved a certain level of strength mm-hmm. within their tendons and um, supportive muscle groups that it doesn't bother them. Mm-hmm. But for people that are, are trying to get into it, you have to take breaks away from it because it just wears on you. Like it wears on your joints, it wears on your your ligaments like bad. So I'm doing that now. I'm on that kick. I'll probably do it for another couple of weeks and then take a break from it, do something different. But um, a little bit more weight training, a little bit more physical fitness perspective not as much on technique right now except for like getting in my stance <laughs> I still try, I'm still trying to do that I, just, I am obsessed with that idea so I was only half listening I was thinking about Ronnie Coleman I know <laughs> that's why that's why when I say so and you're like oh yeah I know you're not listening cause everybody wants to be a bodybuilder yeah nobody wants to lift this heavy, heavy ass, ass weight, weight. <laughs> I'll do it though Right. Awesome. (laughs) Okay, well. Thank you. Bye. Bye.